privilege of introducing you to a guy. Now, this is, I know this is not unique for out here, but Mike and I have actually known each other since elementary school. And when you know somebody that long in the city, that's really unusual because there's a lot of moving and going different places. But uh, we got together for lunch, uh, or excuse me, dinner last night. Mike and Sherry and Marnie and I went to Fourth and Main last night. And we were reminiscing a little bit, and we played in the marching band at Isaac Newton Middle School. We terrorized the neighbors at like 6.30 in the morning. Can you, how do you get away with that? Mike and I were trying to figure that out last night. We were walking through the neighborhood playing our instruments at 6.30 in the morning. I would hurt somebody. <laughs> Give me that tuba. Um, and then we played soccer together. Uh, for a number of years, and, and uh, so we have kind of a long history. Went to the same high school, graduated the same year. Um, so Mike is here today to share. He is the founder and president of, uh, used to be called uh, the China Resource Center, but now they've changed their name, rebranded themselves. It's the 1-8 Catalyst. Uh, his logo's there. Website's up there as well. And um, Mike and his wife, Sherry, have a heart for China, but also, bigger than that, a heart to uh, see folks come to Jesus Christ and know him as Lord and Savior. Uh, they began their ministry uh, to Chinese students, uh, University of Alabama. Is that where you guys started that up? And so they were serving international students there uh, who were coming to the States to study uh, there at the campus. And uh, that kind of God grew this big thing in them to uh, minister to uh, folks in China. And... Uh, you know, I'm not preaching today, so I should just move on and hand him the mic, right? Beth, thank you. And because uh, there's all these other cool things that he's going to share with you. So if you would, let's welcome Mike Falkenstein. Good morning. How are you all? Good. Yeah, I, uh, Steve had mentioned we knew, we knew each other for a long time, and we were kind of rushing out as we were leaving. We live, still live in uh, South Denver, and I intended to, and I just forgot, to, uh, to bring our high school yearbook, and so to see, a, see Steve Weinkoop as a, as a senior, yeah, that's right, that's worth the money right there. So, uh, but the one thing I'll say is that the nice guy that you know now, he was, he was that same nice guy then I mean he really he really he really was and so um, you know he uh, yeah so it's been fun to get to to know him for so long and so and it's also, it's a privilege to come here this morning and speak to you guys and so I won't spend a lot of time talking about our own ministry other than to say uh, of course what Steve already said our ministry is called One Eight Catalyst and yeah we've kind of rebranded because some of the things that we were doing in China the the, the job was kind of a job well done kind of a thing. We kind of finished those projects or at least um, got to a point where the needs were met. And so we've been over the last couple of years asking, you know, uh, God what he wanted next for us. And so in terms of our ministry now, since our heritage is in China, we're, we're involved now with some Bible translation. You know, there's actually, believe it or not, uh, over 150 languages in China that still have no portion of Scripture so we spent a lot of last summer with the Wycliffe Bible Translator people. Like, how do you do Bible translation? We we've never done that before. So so we're uh, I think God's given us our first project, and so we're real excited about that. Uh, doing some theological training, and then um, apparently we're going to have a Sunday school class after this. So I'll get a chance to talk a little bit more about this. But there's a 
I think, an opportunity actually in North Korea, believe it or not. And so, and if there's a country on planet Earth that needs Jesus, I think it's North Korea, right? So if there's any kind of a, even a crack to the open door, you know, we want to be able to take advantage of it. So on the uh, very back table, uh, we do have a brochure if you want to learn more about our ministry. I think some people, because we, we had sent some copies in advance, but I've written a book called The Chinese Puzzle, and uh, we've got some additional copies if you'd like to purchase one. It's just kind of a, here's what's happening in China 101 kind of book, because I think there are a lot of misperceptions. Uh, God's just so involved, just, you know, the, the one project, one of the projects that we have been doing is a rural Bible distribution project, and so... Uh, where, uh, you know, we've been to these rural villages, and in a lot of places, they'll tell us, the pastors will tell us that they've been baptizing a thousand new believers a year. And then we go to the village, you know, 20 miles away, and it's that same story. I mean, God is just so at work in rural China, and so it's been really fun to be involved where God's already been at work. And so, um, so yeah, so it's been it's been fun. And so this morning, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, something that God's put on my heart, and uh, because with our brand, kind of our rebranding with our ministry, we're kind of what we're calling, we're calling this a, a Great Commission ministry, and so um, I want to begin this morning by telling you a little story about something I just learned about actually at a conference that I was at, and it's a bridge in Durham, North Carolina called the 11-foot eight-inch bridge. I don't know if you guys have heard of this bridge before, but it's actually technically a railroad bridge, uh, which, you know, you wouldn't think that 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 height would be all that significant, except that the, um, the, uh, a lot of box trucks, a lot of delivery vans, a lot of even RVs are taller than 11 foot, eight inches. So, uh, the, uh, I've got a little video to show you kind of the, kind of the mayhem. you know, you get the point, right? It just, this video, uh, yeah, this video just goes on. It's a compilation video and uh, it just goes on for over four minutes. Just more and more of that. It's just over and over again. These uh, trucks continue to hit the bridge and it's really interesting because uh, you didn't see it in the video, but uh, there've been news reporters, you know, that have been out there to try to report to people, you know, tell people we've got this bridge in our city you know, be careful. Um, you know, there's a big, uh, there's a big crash beam in front of this bridge. And actually that's what people are hitting is the, uh, the crash beam itself. Uh, there's a laser guided system that actually, uh, tells you if your truck is over 11 foot, eight inches, uh, there are these bright lights that, uh, that appear and tell you that it's over height. You're, you're over height when, when it's flashing and 
you know, I've, I've thought about this over and over again since I found out about this in uh, April. And it's interesting because I thought, I keep thinking, why do people keep hitting this bridge? You know, there are over, in the last three years, there are over a hundred of these, you know, this guy with his video camera outside his office window has recorded these, you know, these, uh, these events. And people over and over again continue to hit the bridge. In fact, when you rent a truck, uh, like a moving van in Durham, North Carolina, there's a huge uh, like disclosure form that you have to sign that says, okay, we've got this bridge. If you hit it, you're liable, you know, and yet they still continue to hit the 11 foot, eight inch bridge, right? So I've thought, why do people continue to hit the bridge? And I think part of it is, even though they, they have all the information, you know, they drive, continue to drive over this bridge because they think, well, you know, it's not gonna, you know, I'm the one that can beat it or, you know, I, I, you know, I'm going to be inconvenienced or, you know, and I think, you know, that um, in our American churches today, uh, I found largely that a lot of us in the church are just like the people who continue to drive over, over the, under the 11 foot, eight inch bridge, particularly as it relates to my topic today, which is the Great Commission, right? So, I mean, we've memorized these verses. In fact, you even have one of the verses I'll use today on your wall here at the church. And, uh, you know, the, we have the information. Uh, we've memorized it. We've probably heard people, uh, you know, speak about these verses. Uh, nothing that I'm probably going to share with you today, at least in terms of the verses themselves, are, you know, is going to be that unusual. I think you've heard these verses before. And yet, I, I don't find many Christians in our churches who are actually finding Great Commission fulfillment. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is talk about uh, three things. So number one, I just, so let's just go ahead and just kind of define what is the Great Commission and uh, get kind of what we could call clear the field, right? We're all going to be on the same page in terms of what is the Great Commission. Uh, number two, why is it so important? Why am I here talking about it? And then number three, how do we find then Great Commission fulfillment in our lives. And so, um, as I've done this study on the Great Commission and tried to educate myself, here are the brief answers to those questions, the, the kind, of, kind of where we're, it's a little preview of where we're going. Number one is that I think the Great Commission is a command for us all, us all. And so, you know, a lot of where God has led me in this is that being in full-time ministry, I think the um, perception is, Mike, that's all this you know, going into all the world and preaching the good news is fine for you. You've been called to do that. I haven't. And yet I think what I'm finding is that that's a, it's a, it's a command for us all. I think if that's true, Jesus has uh, some strong words for us about our obedience to his commands. And then I think uh, finally, oh, there it is. Uh, Jesus then gives us a roadmap on kind of how to do this. It's, it's really not uh, all that hard. So let's start off by talking about what exactly is the Great Commission. So what I'm going to do is actually just kind of pull from Scripture uh, some of these. Uh, we're going to use the Scripture verses themselves to, to make the definition. And, you know, when you do the study, you'll learn that there are five passages generally of Scripture that we would call uh, Great Commission uh, passages. The passages are interesting. Uh, There's a whole study, we, a whole uh, sermon I could do on, on this alone. But, you know, a lot of these verses actually, um, 
come from what we'd call kind of the last 40 days of Jesus's life, right? So this is the, the, after the resurrection and before the ascension. And the interesting thing to me about that, of course, is that this was the last 40 days of Jesus's earthly life. He was, the things he were saying, he was saying were particularly important because he knew, hey, I only have 40 days left, right? So I'm going to say, I mean, think about in your own life, if you only had 40 days left, okay, I got to be able to tell the people that I really care about the most important things, right? So, um, and so we're going to look at uh, three passages and build this definition as we, as we go along. So uh, the first is actually the one that you have right there on the wall, right? It's, uh, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Uh, it's the second verse, probably that's the most um, common, the one that we've heard the, mo- the most, which is the Matthew 28 passage, where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. And so, you know, a lot of times I think where people get caught up in understanding what is the Great Commission is, number one, you know, what is a disciple of Jesus? And then number two, how do we actually make disciples, right? It sounds all so complicated. The easy answer to that first one is, in terms of, as it relates to Jesus, what is a disciple? I think is just a lot of churches now are using this term even in their mission statement to you know, to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. And so that's really what a disciple is, right? Someone who recognizes what Jesus has done in their own lives. Um, a disciple of Jesus learns to, to uh, learns from him to be like him, who worships him exclusively and pointing people to him, right? Someone who's fully devoted. In terms of making disciples, of course, you have to be a disciple of Jesus uh, to make disciples, right? But this is a process where someone who's become a convert then uh, learns how to live and become a fully devoted follower of Jesus, right? And then the last verse that we use is this Acts 1-8, which is actually the verse that we use, that we've used for our, our new name for our ministry, right? We want to be a catalyst to help people find Great Commission fulfillment. And so this Acts 1-8 passage But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so, uh, so if we look at, if we use these three verses in particular, the Great Commission is, um, so you can see in the red is where we've just pulled it right from the scripture. So if we were to define this, the, the Great Commission The command of the Great Commission is God's plan for building his church through the preaching of the gospel, right, which we get from the Mark 16 passage, the making of disciples, the confirmation of disciples, both through baptism and the ongoing teaching of disciples to be his effective witnesses in our local area and around the world. So it's kind of a big fancy definition, right? But if you were to really, if you were to really define it, that's really what it is. That's, that's what we're, we're talking about here. So. So one other thing as we're, as we're defining the Great Commission that we need to uh, talk about is that I don't, I don't see any 
exempt clause in Scripture, right? As we study this, uh, Jesus did not give this command to some of us who are Christians and others who are not. It sure seems to me like that, uh, you know, that the Great Commission is a command uh, for us all. And they're looking throughout history. Uh, there are some who have uh, talked about this too. Many of you may know of this guy, uh, Hudson Taylor, one of my sort of my spiritual heroes. He was one of the first Western missionaries to go to the inland provinces of China and uh, <clears throat> did ministry in a lot of ways. And as he was asked about the Great Commission, here's what he had to say. Uh, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. I love this quote because um, I just learned about this um, uh, missionary herself, Amanda Berry Smith, who kind of lived in that period where slavery was just ending. She, she was a slave, was freed, and uh, became a missionary. And uh, she said about this, to stay here and disobey God. I can't afford to take the consequence. I would rather go and obey God than to stay here and know that I disobeyed, right? I mean, it's like she's saying, boy, I'm going to meet Jesus someday, and I don't want to have no answer for what I did about this command, right? Uh, Additionally, actually, if you go to our website, you'll find uh, I've done a podcast, which most of you probably know what that is, right? It's just essentially a radio show, uh, that we put on uh, online, and so I've got a co-host, and we've it's called the Main for Missions podcast, and it's been really fun. And we have some episodes where we are just talking. My co-host and I are just talking about certain topics. Um, we also have some interview episodes where we've actually interviewed other um, Christian leaders, and uh, we have three questions that we ask all of those who are, who come on the podcast. Uh, we've just recorded the 49th episode of the podcast, and so you can, you can go online and uh, <clears throat> listen to some of those. And so one of, the, one of the questions that we ask is, given the passages of Scripture that address the Great Commission, do you believe that the Great Commission is a command that Jesus gives to all Christians? And I, of course, I ask that question mainly because I just want to make sure that as I, as I talk to... Uh, as I talk about this, that I'm not uh, misspeaking, right? That uh, my opinion about this in terms of the Great Commission being a command for all Christians is something that uh, others believe as well. So I've got a couple of just quick audio clips I'm going to play for you. The first guy is Chuck Lawless, who's a, the Dean and Vice President of Graduate Studies at Southeastern Seminary in uh, Wake Forest. And so he also serves as a professor of uh, evangelism and missions. And so, let's see. I I do, Mike. You read the the scriptures, and not once, but five times in the New Testament, Jesus gives us something that echoes the the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and Mark 16 and Luke 24 and John 20 and Acts 1-8. Uh, and that that uh, repetition and the sense of urgency of his words uh, both uh, suggest to me that there's there's something really significant going on here. And there, there are those, of course, who argue that Jesus was just speaking only to the apostles and, and not to us. But but it seems to me if that's the case, in Matthew 28, for example, he was telling just the apostles to make disciples and, and baptize and teach people to obey then, then you have to take that whole text, meaning all of that was just for the apostles, 
which means only the apostles were to teach people how to obey Jesus. And we know we know <laughs> that's not the case. That's right. And so the, the the text is much broader than that. And and then if you if you land where many of, or some have landed today, and that is that that it's the professional clergy, it's the trained people, it's my it's my graduate students at Southeastern Seminary. They're the ones who are supposed to be doing all of that work. Well, that's that's not even who the disciples were. They they weren't the trained leaders. They were the they were the tax collectors. They were the fishermen. They were the the untrained and uneducated. And so Jesus Jesus gave that command to a bunch of nobodies to go take the gospel to the nations. And that that command stands for all of us today. And so I've highlighted uh, what I what I what I took out of that, which I thought was very powerful, right? So we asked him this question, is the, is the Great Commission a command for all Christians? And he says, the repetition and urgency of his words both suggest that there's something really significant going on here. Jesus gave this command to a bunch of nobodies. Of course, what he meant was they're just fishermen and tax collectors, and these are just people like you and I, right? These were not the, the trained uh, religious leaders of the day. Uh, to go take the gospel to all the nations, and that command stands for, for us today. And so we've got a very similar answers we get from people in kind of the, the seminary world. Um, I want to play one more clip for you. Todd Wagner, who's the senior pastor at uh, Watermark Church in Dallas, actually is a church that I've um, really enjoyed getting to know those guys and uh, am doing some uh, some work together with them now. And so when I, when I asked him about uh, if the Great Commission was a command for all Christians, um, here's was his reply. Uh, I think without a doubt. Uh, I, can't, I can't even imagine, you know, I, it, it's, it's really funny. Sometimes people read the Bible like it's uh, an exhortation only to those who are quote-unquote in vocational ministry. In fact, I did a real truth real quick on that uh, about, you know, about how do you know if you're called into vocational ministry. And I talk about the what where that word vocational comes from and it's just a calling it's the calling that's on our life and the truth is there's not a single person who is a christian that is not a calling on your life and so every command that's given in scripture is given to people of god you know to be faithful i mean obviously there are certain we, we know that there are um, some that are pastors some are teachers and uh, some are evangelists but heck timothy tells all of us to do the work of an evangelist you know when paul's talking about his life and and what he says kind of, you know, Colossians 1, 28 and 29, mm-hmm. when he says, for this purpose I labor, you know, I, I think he is sharing that as a person who's serious about honoring his Savior, not as a person who is, quote unquote, this separated man called the Apostle Paul. And certainly when Jesus was talking to his 12, I, I think it would be a mistake and a real very short-sighted view of Scripture to think that the command of Matthew 28, 19 and 20 was just a... Uh, an idea that Jesus had for the immediate 12 that were around him. So, yeah, I'd say absolutely uh, the Great Commission is a normative command given to all people that are serious about their faith and who would count Jesus as their Savior. And so, again, I took out of that, uh, the very last thing that he said, right, that absolutely the Great Commission is a normative command given to all Christians who are serious about their faith. And so... So it is the, 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 the Bible study, essentially, that I've done, the, the checking with these guys who know m- way more about this than I do, where I come up with the, uh, the conclusion that the Great Commission, the preaching of the gospel, the, uh, the making of disciples, is a command for us all. And, of course, the, the next question we get to is, you know, why is, why is this all so important? And, 
you know, reminds me of a, uh, as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of a game that I used to play when I was a kid, right? So many of you have played this game, and it was just a game of Simon Says, right? And so Simon Says, tap your head, and so you'd pat your head. It's a very, very simple game, right? And then they, they, they try to get you by saying, rub your stomach, and then, oh, Simon didn't say it, you know? So, uh, <laughs> and so it's a very simple game, and it's just weird to me how in the church, the game of Jesus says is a very different game, right? If Jesus says something, you know, you don't have to do it. You only have to memorize it, right? It didn't, didn't make sense. I mean, how many people in our churches are actually making disciples? But they, you know, they memorized uh, the verses. You know, when I tell my son, I, I didn't mention this, but Sherry and I have three kids. Uh, our middle child is a, is a, a boy, our son Isaac, who's now 16. And if I were to tell Isaac to go and empty the dishwasher, right, he then come back to me two hours later and say, Dad, I memorized what you told me. Isaac, go empty the dishwasher, right? I'm going to have some friends come over and we're going to do a study on what it would look like if I emptied the dishwasher, right? I mean, he knows better than that, right? And so I don't know why we think we're going to come before Jesus one day and say, I memorized what you told me to do, right? Especially given the language that we find in, again, this could be a whole sermon, but in John 14 and 15 alone, right? Jesus has some, uh, some powerful words. And so, so uh, let's go through this. So John 14, 15 is a good example, right? If you love me, you will keep my commands, he says. Uh, <clears throat> later in John, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then finally in John uh, fifteen, ten, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Right? It seems simple. People who are devoted followers of Jesus obey his commands. Right? So... Um, I think the, what I'm finding is that this missions, whether that's domestic, here in Ray, here in Colorado, uh, in the United States or around the world, right, is just the overflow of our delight in God, right? If you know what Jesus has done in your own life, uh, you want to share it with them. It's like having the, uh, the cure for cancer and keeping it to yourself, right? I mean, if your testimony is anything like mine, I mean, I was... You know, I was destined for separation from God forever, for all of eternity. And he sent his son to, uh, to, uh, to save me from that, right? So the, um, uh, I love this quote, Henry Martin, who's this guy. I love, as you can tell, I'm kind of a missionary history guy. Um, late 1700s, one of the very early English missionaries to go to India and Persia, right? He says... Uh, Oh yeah, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become, right? So for now, you guys might all be going, whoa, Mike, hold on, back up the truck, (laughs) right? I don't feel the call. I don't feel called to go overseas. Um, And even if I did, or even if I wanted to find Great Commission fulfillment, I wouldn't even know where to start. And so as I conclude uh, t- this morning, 
I want to give you guys just some real practical tips on kind of what we may call kind of first steps to, you know, how you can, how you can find uh, Great Commission fulfillment. And so I think the answer actually comes from another command we find from Jesus called the Great Commandment, right? So we find the Great Commandment in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, is one of the several places we see in the Gospels. Yeah, a little context as to Matthew 22. Uh, If you read the whole chapter, it's very interesting because Jesus is, um, you know, you've got these Pharisees and you've got the Sadducees. And in three different occasions in the, just in Matthew 22, uh, these guys are coming and they're trying to trick Jesus, right? You remember some of these. And then he says something amazing and then they go away. And, and so it's, uh, you know, they kept trying, uh, but they were, they, they could never, they could never actually, uh, succeed. And so, so this passage begins here, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, which again, was the the third time that these people had come, they gathered together and one of them, an expert in the law, a lawyer asked him uh, a question to test him. So they're coming back again to try to trick him, try to test him. And he says, teacher, which is the greatest command? What is the great commandment in the law? Now, part of the reason that that's a test, by the way, is that uh, there were in, you know, what we now call, what, they, what they're calling the law, we now just call the Old Testament, right? So in the Old Testament, there are 613 commandments that we find in the Old Testament. And so, and these guys, between Pharisees and Sadducees, couldn't even decide themselves uh, which one was the greatest. And so, they're not agreeing amongst themselves. And so, they come to him thinking, oh, maybe this is a way, you know, that we can, uh, that we can trick him. <laughs> and so, uh, here's his answer. His answer is, he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so a couple of notes here. Uh, The love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind originally comes from Deuteronomy. Uh, The love your neighbor as yourself originally from Leviticus 19. The other note is that when he says, and the second is like it, it's really, and the second is has an equal importance to the first. So actually they ask him which one is most important. He actually gives them two in, in response, right? And so maybe the answer to how do we find Great Commission fulfillment is simply to begin loving the Lord with just everything you have and learning how to love your neighbors well, right? Amongst uh, those of us who, who like to... Uh, study this, uh, there's always some question about who is your neighbor, right? I think at the very least, we can say it's those that live nearby us, right? They're actually our actual neighbors in our neighborhood. Um, if you do the study, uh, there's some indication it's just kind of nearby, just people that are nearby. So I actually think it could be, you know, if you go to a diner for breakfast every Tuesday, uh, you see those same people repetitively it could be those people, you know, it could be people that you see on a regular basis, but certainly it's your neighbor, right? So I think a good place to start in all of this is loving those who are actually neighbors 
really well. So how do you love your neighbor as yourself? And so this is where I'll, I'll conclude. I've got these really quick six steps to, to doing that well. And the goal here is that we want to build a bridge of friendship strong enough to carry the weight of the gospel, right? So first, we're just making friends. And so the first thing is, do, do you know your neighbors by name? Now, this might have more prevalence where I live in South Denver, where, uh, you know, we really do not generally know our neighbor, neighbors' names very well. You know, where I live in, it's a community called Highlands Ranch. It's very common to pull into your garage and close the door before you get out of the car, right? So, uh, so what I always challenge people to do is begin by just knowing their name. I mean, maybe the most missional thing you can do in a particular day is actually uh, taking your dog for a walk. And when you see people outside, you know, just begin to, hi, I'm Mike, how are you? Just to get to know them, right? Number two, have you heard their stories? And so, uh, let's see. There we go. So, uh, hearing their stories just means, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about where you're from. And you begin to learn about the story about the single mom and you find out about, you know, the guy that just lost his job. And, you know, you just begin to, to learn their stories. And then the, uh, the third one that I really like is as you're hearing their stories, have you discovered a way to pray for them, right? Because when you learn about the guy who's just lost his job, then you can, you don't even have to ask him, can I pray for you? You can just yourself begin praying for him. And what I really like about that is that you're bringing God into his life or her life, the single mom or whoever, uh, and they don't even know it, right? They're just beginning to be prayed for. God's working in their lives, and, you know, they're, uh, they're uh, none the wiser in some ways, right? Uh, the fourth thing is, uh, have I found a simple way to serve them? And again, I'm sure, I don't know much about living in Ray, Colorado, but I'm sure you guys are much better at this than we are in South Denver. But certainly, you know, I see the single, a few, a few months ago, actually it's more than four or five months ago, I see the single guy that lives across the street from us, uh, older, now, not older, older, but you know, he's getting older and uh, he's struggling trying to shovel the, what was that, 16 inches of snow that we got, Right. So I'm kind of a guy, I'm six foot seven, and I've got kind of a body to shovel, right? I can shovel snow. And so I go over there and uh, just help him. And he didn't ask for the help, but it's just a very simple way to be able to begin to, you know, to, um, I mean, it's just what friends do with each other, right? And then fifthly, of course, am I ready to share my story when asked? And so again, that's what friends do, right? We're asking them questions. Eventually, they're going to ask us questions. And I know for me and for most of you, we probably can't share our stories without talking about our relationship with Jesus. And so, you know, this might take a little bit of um, thinking through it in advance. Go, okay, how did I come to know Jesus? Do I know how to share that? Uh, what did Jesus do in my life? And so there's just some simple ways that you can, you can do that. And then finally, as you begin this, this friendship uh, building um, relationship, do I trust God? Because at the end of the day, those people are going to come to know Jesus uh, because God has led them in that way, right? You can't force anyone to do that. And so, um, so this morning, 
I've illustrated that the Great Commission is a command for all Christians, uh, that we show Jesus we love him as we obey his commands, and that the Great Commission fulfillment starts right where you live, right? And so, um, in closing, I uh, remember, if you'll remember the 11-foot, 8-inch bridge, right? I mean, we actually have, in this area, uh, the disclosure form already, uh, right? And it's called the Bible, right? Ours is the Bible. Uh, God has given us each unique gifts on how he wants us to make disciples. You know, um, for me, it's not only in my neighborhood, uh, but God has given me an ability in languages. You know, I've studied Mandarin Chinese. We do all those meetings in Chinese. Now, um, I'm, I was telling uh, Steve and Marnie that God has just given me this ability to uh, thrive in areas where a lot of Westerners don't thrive, right? You get me out in these places where there's no hotel, there's no, here's a little spot on the, on the ground and you sleep there. It's like, great, let's go, you know? Um, and not everyone is gifted in that way, but you find out how God has gifted you. And here's what I think you'll find. I think if you begin to go through this process of um, building a bridge of friendship strong enough with people that, that you see on a regular basis. You know, uh, once you see God at work in these areas, you know, you can trust him for more and more. And, you know, you go, yeah, God used me in my neighborhood. And now all of a sudden, you know, you hear about an opportunity in Arizona to go to a Native American reservation and serve there. Yeah, I already saw God at work. I'm able to trust him for more there, right? And then you do that. And then uh, I get in touch with Steve and learn that, you know, uh, I'm asking um, some of you to come with us overseas. And you go, yeah, I've already seen God do that. And so, um, uh, and it's important, I think, because there are people not only all around us who desperately need Jesus, but, you know, you do the, you look at the statistics and 40% of the world, uh, of the world's population has no indigenous community of believing Christians, right? 40% of the world are essentially what we'd call unreached. And so Jesus certainly, we look at the passages, wants to use us all in these areas, right? Uh, 1,900 languages worldwide that have no portion of scripture. So, um, so let me just leave you with that. Let me pray for us as we, uh, as we end. And uh, again, thanks for letting me share. Let me just pray for us real quick. Father God, Lord, we just thank you so much for this morning, the opportunity for Sherry and I to come here and to share our hearts. And God, I'm looking forward to the Sunday school, school class after either to continue talking about this or talk about China. Would, would love to share more about what you're doing in North Korea, Lord, and that opportunity. And um, Lord, I pray for First Christian Church of Ray, Lord, that you would uh, continue to bless them in a mighty way. Thank you for Pastor Steve and his heart for these people and the way you're using him. God, may you just raise up an army of disciple makers uh, through this church and that you would um, uh, change Ray, Colorado forever because of what is happening here at this church. Lord, we love you so much. We continue to trust you in all things. And Lord Jesus, it is through your name that we pray. Amen.